Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. There's nothing to lose. He's not going to hate me, block me, oust me. He's just going to go, didn't work. And I thought, no, he's just going to go, twat, and carry on. (laughs) Now, here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita and I'm here with Anna. Hello. Today, I'm very excited that we've got um, John Holt. We're interviewing him and he has got a really interesting background from being a social worker to a magician, to a croupier, to a copywriter. Um, and has got a load of gems about, you know, how to do marketing, how to add humour into your marketing um, and how, you know, having the just the line saying, I'm not shit, is good enough. So, um, yeah, interesting interview, interesting guy. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. So I feel, John, like I've kind of stalked you a little bit to get you onto this podcast um, because I've been emailing you constantly. Haven't I? I'm on your email list and I came across you. I think I did a Facebook challenge with you, um, God, probably about a year ago on how to use um, funny in writing to attract clients um, and came into your world that way. And then um, I'm on your email list, so I get your emails, which actually you're one of the only emails I will regularly open because you do make me laugh. Um as well as being really useful. And so then I've been stalking you to get you on our podcast and to do a masterclass for our academy. So should we start by you just kind of telling everyone who you are and what you do? Uh, well, yeah, I'm uh, John. I'm a, well, now I'm a copywriter. I used to be, I've been all manner of things, actually. I used to be, before COVID hit, I was a magician. I used to perform at weddings and corporate events and stuff like that. Basically, So you in the magic circle? People. I'm not, no. Oh. I know. Oh, I know. It's such a depressing Sorry. answer, isn't it? <laughs> you get the listeners didn't see that then, but I did a really short yeah, face, like I know. Loud. It was this crestfallen disappointment and everything I'm used to seeing in my life, really. Um, no, I'm not. Basically, I just wanted to go out and entertain drunk people with at weddings and corporate events, and um, yeah, so that's what I did pre-COVID. Uh, but I've been a bunch of other stuff as well. I used to be a mental health social worker, a croupier. I, been an accountant and stuff it's quite uh, but eclectic, now I, isn't it that's testament to my adhd more than anything else more than any kind of life skills i've got just uh looking for shiny things to do how do you end up being a croupier in a casino i i imagine yeah there's not many other places to be a croupier you can't do it down the docks it's not much fun um <laughs> <laughs> doing it at a children's nursery come on roll up blackjack. <laughs> um <laughs> so i used to live in blackpool and blackpool had a lot of casinos and that's where, yeah, a friend of mine went there, and I just thought, oh, that sounded quite good. I thought, I imagine the James Bond kind of lifestyle, the glitz, the glamour, you know. At Blackpool, it wasn't. There was people wearing Leicester City tracksuits, for crying out loud. No! <laughs> <laughs> like me, that obviously yeah. can't see how Anna is wearing a Leicester City tracksuit top. Not when she came on, I said, are you wearing a tracky top? <laughs> no, tracky top. Just need a big, chunky gold chain. and oh, yeah, I look but- like Jimmy Savile, then. That's not well, yes, <laughs> style icon. Let's just not go there. I went to uh, Las Vegas once, many well, it's for my first Good diversion. Honeymoon, well done. Actually. Good diversion. <laughs> and um, we were talking to one of the croupiers there, was from Birmingham, and we got chatting to him. And he said that he had um, he'd been on the table when one of the players was, you know, Ben Affleck. He used to 
do a lot of gambling. When he was going, he was with Jennifer Lopez. She was there as well. And at the end of it, um, Ben Affleck just gave over a load of chips to the croupier, you know, as a tip. And um, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez just reached over, took half back and said, no. <laughs> That's yeah. great. I'd, I wish I had a story like that, but in the UK, you weren't All actually that money. to tip your dealers. Yeah, uh, that would be awesome. So it wasn't glamorous then, doing the croupier job? No, no. It was, um, you'd be dealing like um, blackjack to people around a semicircle, and they'd all be blowing cigarette smoke in your face and stuff like that. And it was, mm. oh, it was horrible. It's, it's like when I worked at Jonglers behind the bar. Oh, right, thought, yeah. Oh, this will be cool because I'll get to see all the comedians and I'll find it really funny. And actually you realise... When you are sober and you are working, (laughs) none of them are funny. And when you've seen the same act to come back time and time and time again with the same jokes, with the same thing. And when you have the comedian always hit on you at the end of the night, at the end of the bar, and they're actually quite sad and lonely, then you realise, no, it's not. The best bit was a free chicken. I love that. The entire comedy scene. (laughs) The best bit was the chicken. It was lovely. Yeah, because there's always loads left over, fried chicken. See, what's good about our podcast is we're not afraid to get into the deep subjects really early on in these podcasts. Yeah. So anyway, please get on to what you actually do, John, because otherwise 45 minutes will be gone. I've literally forgotten everything I've ever done in my entire life. So yeah, this conversation just thrown me off. So you were a magician, now you're a copywriter. How on earth does that happen? Almost by magic, I imagine. Um, No, it was weird. When (laughs) COVID hit, um, I kind of panicked a bit and that's the PG version because I thought, right, all gigs have gone. But I've liked copywriting for a long time um, because... It's the same as when I do magic and comedy. The, the skill for me isn't like the individual elements. It's the ability to entertain strangers and get a reaction. I like that kind of meta skill. So in comedy, you're breaking down ideas, communicating them to an audience in a way that they understand and getting a reaction. That's essentially what copywriting is. You know, you're going into a cold audience, getting them to pay attention and guiding them to where you want to go. So I always like copywriting, but I think it mostly came from the fact that I hated going to networking meetings and I thought, if I could just write stuff in my PJs at home and get clients, yay, win. <laughs> so I've always liked it. And then COVID hit, and I thought, well, now's a good chance to see if I can do it. And I was going to say I kind of got lucky, but I landed gigs with two agencies uh, using weird approaches. That One of them's full-time, the other one not so much, but both pretty high-profile agencies. So straight away, I was able to kind of go into a full-time copywriter role and that's where I am now and it still feels kind of like oh my god how the heck did I get here I feel like I've just woken up like in a horror movie and going hang on how did I get here it's just bizarre so you say weird approaches what (laughs) what is that well the first guy I approached was quite is quite a prominent email copywriter and I've always liked his stuff and he advertised for a junior copywriting position and I had no qualifications for this. I looked down the list and thought, I don't have any of this. I don't have any copywriting experience at all. I don't have clients, I don't have testimonials or anything like that. And um, he advertised. I filled in the form anyway, didn't hear anything. So a couple of weeks later, I just sent him an email saying, did you ever get anywhere with the uh, copywriter you were looking for? He said, no, no, it's, uh, I'm still going through them. And I thought, I could leave it there, but I didn't. Instead, I created an email 
basically saying, well, if you didn't have so many applicants, if you weren't so successful, if you weren't so attractive an employer, you could uh, you could have taught yourself out a lot quicker. So here's how to make yourself less successful, less attractive. And I wrote him this weird, funny email, basically telling him how to ruin his life so that not as many people would apply for his copywriting job. And I created a sales page for it and everything like that. And within about 20 minutes of me sending this email, he wrote back to me one line that just said, dude, do you smoke marijuana? Serious question. <laughs> And I thought, oh, God, I've blown it. And 50 minutes later, I, said, I got a response saying, actually, I've got a marijuana client in mind for you. You'd be perfect for, do you want to hop on a call? So we started. And that's how it started, yeah, right? just with great. a weird, nonsensical approach. And um, It's one of those that would either work or absolutely bomb. But you probably weren't going to get it anyway, based on the normal route so it was worth worth the risk and i think that's what you've got to do haven't you risk and reward you need to stand out and what you know what might you you lose by doing it and you wouldn't have lost anything if it had just ignored no, you exactly. anyway, so. and it was it was a fun approach and it showed him that i could do the skills he was after without having to say i could do it because i had to write him an email i created a sales page for it and linked it to it so he, he can see I've put a bit of work into it. And if he likes it, if it, it might just be the thing that tips you over in the balance. And obviously I've been on his list for a while. I know he, he likes personality and humor. So after a while, you, you get to kind of read for somebody, even somebody you've never met, somebody yeah. high profile, you kind of know what they would like. So it was just a case of doing that. And I thought exactly what you said, there's nothing to lose. He's not going to hate me, block me, oust me. It's He's just going to go, didn't work. And I thought, well, or, or it. it's just going to go twat and carry on. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, you know, that, that's what could have happened. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Or as me and Anita just fold it to each other and then go, yeah. what? like we have each other's bounce off of. Yeah. So we send it to one or the other and go, look at this twat, and then just carry on with our day. But yeah, it worked, which is amazing. Oh, I wasn't imagining when I sent that email, I wasn't imagining that specific word. He would sit there at the monitor and go, look at this, unbelievable. <laughs> you need Anna as your motivational coach. Yes, John, great approach. You'll either be twat or have a job. I think The Apprentice would have been so much better a show if it had used that kind of rather than softly, softly approach, just to kind of... Yeah. But even if the reaction is, what a twat, you've stood out and you're memorable, and then the next thing you do, it's like they're keeping their eye out for you, aren't they? Just don't be mediocre. That's the message, isn't it? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, when you do stuff like that, it's like you spend half your life filtering out the good clients from the bad, mm -hmm. and you realise that, actually, if you, if you present yourself as yourself, then that's an immediate filter. You don't have to do it. So he looked at that and thought, I want him. If he'd have looked at it and said, no, you're not for me, that's great because then we both immediately know without having to book yeah. calls, start projects. Yeah. yeah. And repel like or attract. That's all you've got to do, repel or attract and just yeah. you know, continue. Because when you're in corporate or when you, you know, when you have proper jobs, all the time that I was in proper jobs, and I sound a little bit like you, John, with the – I'm not been diagnosed for ADHD. I've I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, that worked out. To be honest with you, I don't want to. I'm not getting put in some box or whatever. I'm not interested in knowing. I've, I've managed it. I've used it to my benefit through the years. I'm fine. Yeah. And um, but you know, doing all all the all the different things. But when I had jobs, I was always being told by managers, "Well, you need to stop that or do this or try." And actually, realize when you get older or when you go and do your own thing that there was nothing wrong with you really. Like it was just yeah. you were not meant for that space, and that that's yeah. all, all that it was. But it's that proper frown on if you don't have a a route to the way that you should. You know, oh, but this is the path, and you've got to do this, this, this. And, and my daughter's just the same. And I said to you, you don't have to follow that thing or do things that way. You you find your own sort of 
way, I guess. Just so many different choices now. It's online skills. It's it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, when yeah. I sent him that application, I don't think he probably checked my swipe files or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just like you seem okay and this is you know it's like exactly what you said there's no set route anymore it's it's so different so will you what's going to happen when uh, the world goes back to normal whatever that is are you going to ditch this copywriting and just go all back into um being a a magician and entertaining drunk people i'd like to make copy my thing i'll be honest save you leaving the house doesn't it Exactly. You know, it's... If you have um, to go to somebody's wedding to entertain people, you've got to go. I always liked the idea of doing magic because I always wanted to see if I was the kind of person that could entertain a bunch of strangers for a couple of hours. And I've, I kind of ticked that box. I'm okay at that. I'm not the world's mm-hmm. worst magician. But, yeah, when you, when you have <laughs> to... Be, you. <laughs> if I could have gone with my website, it would have been John Holt, not totally shit. It's what every bride is looking for on their wedding day, isn't it? <laughs> well, I've got a magician. He's not shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new husband. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's Help it. yourself to the buffet. <laughs> Honestly, that's my entire life plan summed up in about four different sentences. Get yourself a wife. I'm not totally shit. Here's a buffet. Honestly, that would be my entire bucket list just done. How did you even get into magic? You know what? That's a good question. Um, I think it came from a curiosity of wondering if I could do it. Because when mm. I was at the casino, I learned a lot of card cheating moves and things like that. And it was that kind of world. And... You can you can learn like sleight of hand and stuff like that to cheating cards, but if they catch you, you'll you'll lose an arm, and that's uh, that's a penalty. People actually try and cheat at casinos, then. Uh, Yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah, Mm -hmm. casinos are really canny about it. But in like private card games at the back, when they're playing for cash, uh, when people are dealing their own games, there's more scope for stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of got into it and started uh, picking up uh, sleight of hand books. And I thought, oh, it'd be quite good to be able to do this for a living. I've always thought I was quite funny and entertaining and maybe I could do it. And it was more, not I didn't really have a desire to be a magician, more just a case, you know, could I go into a room full of 100 people at a corporate event and entertain them? It was, again, it comes down to the meta skill of most people would be terrified of going yeah. to a hotel and having to introduce themselves to groups of 10, 10 times every single night, getting yeah. their attention and then clearing off in five minutes. And I thought... It's a really good skill to learn that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's the same as the comedy, coming up with ideas and making it relatable. Um, but, yeah, the novelty, once you've done it a few times, novelty kind of wears off. And yeah. you compete with loud music. People are drunk. The, you know, you have visions when you enter it, you think, oh, they're going to respect me and my art. And there's going to be an awed <laughs> hush. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm in Basildon. I'm, I'm, it's 10 o'clock at night. They've had the free bar for four hours. And it's a lot. End of a, an away day, and I'm imagining that this table of ten is going to be an odd silence while I perform, and they're going to be there like Poirot, giving Very me gold claps. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when really Gavin's trying to get off with Jackie, and you know, <laughs> how do you decide who you pick? Because I am the per- like, if you're going to pick someone to do the magic trick on, it's always yeah. me. Always, if they see the table, they always pick me. Why is that? Could you now please speak on behalf of all magicians Anna's ever met and? Uh, and explain their reasoning. I like the way you say they always pick on me, like it's yeah. a school bully. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing. I quite like it. It's a distraction, especially if I like you know nowadays I don't drink. It's something to do, isn't it? I think, oh yeah, yeah. it's not Watch boring to talk trick. to these boring drunks, and I'll 
you know, be the, the assistant of the magician. <laughs> well, I always used to try and find the person that was looking smiley, looking happy. Oh, and that's because, what I do wrong then. Yeah, you're being too personable, mm. happy too and smiley. Too open and approachable, yeah. You can yeah. see how, how lovely she is, can't yeah. you? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> she looks reasonably. And, and to be fair, like when you're looking at a table of 10 corporates, warm and sociable is is, is quite a high benchmark for most of them. They look <laughs> drunk and uh, slurring or, or the one you get is the fierce look with the arms crossed like, you can't impress oh, yeah. me, magic boy. But it's you know what it is. It's, Are they like a challenge to you, or do you just avoid them? No, honestly, like a lot of magicians um, will have this kind of mindset that the, their job is to win everybody over. And I, mm. I would be like, well, I'm, I'm just there to make sure everybody has a good night. To me, it was more about uh, being entertaining. So I wasn't there to win them over, or because with magic, there's this kind of challenge where I know a secret, but you don't. Hmm. and if you present it like that, then it becomes a battle of wills. But if you've kind of got the mindset of, hi, I'm John, I've learned a few things, I think they're quite funny, let's have a laugh. You've got that kind of mindset. I will take the, it wasn't about secrets for me, it was just about having a laugh. And I wouldn't reveal secrets, but I try and communicate that I'm not taking myself too seriously. I'm a 44-year-old man with a deck of cards on a Saturday night doing card tricks. It's, It's, I'm not curing cancer, I'm not saving the world, just mucking around. Let's have a yeah. giggle. And that was it for me. And I think that helped because I even bought the website notdynamo.com because oh. um, I'd have a giggle about that and I'd produce it right at the start and show them and they'd all giggle about Not Dynamo and it just kind of breaks the barriers down a bit and they go, right, okay, he's not going to be one of those ego people that tries to hit on my girlfriend or something like that. Yeah. He's just going to have fun. But it is all about the personality, isn't it, of the magician? Because we've all, we've all seen awkward teenage boys that can do a bit of magic, but it's not got the... The show, the sh- you know, the the show yeah. business, the fun of it is just like, oh, okay, yeah. You make it sound a bit glitz and glamour there, but it wasn't showbiz with me. It was more a case yeah, of just but... let's let's have a little bit of interaction mm. and see what we've got with each table. And the other thing as well is I didn't tend to have a script. I'd do similar tricks, but it w- I'd want to get to know them, and I'd ask them, and I'd take the Mickey out of your Leicester City sweat top, mm. or I'd take the Mickey out of the fact you'd said something, and at the end you'd be left with this kind of sense of. And it's like marketing, you know, you'd be left with a sense of, oh, it was a little bit different for us than it would be for the next table. And I'd watch yeah. him again and you could see me do 10 different tables. And even if I did the same three tricks over and over again, it would be a little bit different. different. That's what yeah. got me about junglers, you know, because yeah. literally they'd have the exact same way of doing the exact. And yeah, there'd be a little bit of interaction with the audience, maybe if they picked on one person and looped back to them. But overall, the way that they did... Uh, their like their set was exactly the same. I was like, oh my god! Like literally, your word for word, there's no movement there, sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, if you can feed off the energy of the people and change it accordingly, then it's better, isn't it? That was good training for me as a copywriter because it it kind of just reinforced that it's about the audience. Even if you've got the same product, it's going to be different for each audience. So if I was at a wedding you know, uh, back when you could have weddings. Um, the way I'd do a trick for a, a, a couple of quiet retiring grandparents in the corner would be different than the groomsmen who were ailed up by the car, you know. Yeah. And it's that, to me, was the real skill. How can I present this to these guys in a way that gets them on board? And like I say, it's the same with comedy. It's like a meta skill that I can just kind of plug into and learn it. And like I say, it's exactly the same with marketing. I've got my customers. How would I say this? And my whole kind of copywriting thing i called it kind of insert gag here but it's it's not really about being funny or being humorous it's more about how would i say this because you've got to give somebody 
a lot of people try and focus on creating this pristine perfect image and following templates and copying things but what people don't realize is you don't give people anything of you then to choose you you've got to give people a reason to choose you and it's the edges these little imperfections these flaws that people actually look at and go oh i like you because of this or yeah. you know i got booked because as a magician i would, I would get booked because i was funny and they, oh they like what they did very often they wouldn't even remember the trick i got an email once that said something like um i had a residency at everton football club and so i'll be there every home game and I had an email once that said, oh, you might not remember me. I saw you at Everton a few years ago. You touched my wife's thigh. And I'm like, no other magician is getting that email. And I have no idea yeah. how that happened. But, and I don't touch everybody's thigh. But you'd touch mine. You would, because that's what would they you? all do. Yeah, the magicians, that's what they all do. doesn't sound Thanks like you met thigh. a lot of magicians. They sound like a lot of sex pests, to be honest. That's not... <laughs> Jimmy Savile. Yeah. Anna, do me a favour. Take a card. Now let me touch your thigh. Excellent. That's good. Was it the... Uh, feels like a club. Yeah, that's fine. Leave it. But that was it for me. It was like this unique interaction. I love getting emails like that, because the thing is, they're not emailing 20 other magicians mm. the same line. Once they've seen me and know I'm good enough and they go, well, you touched my wife's thigh. Nobody's ever put that in a business plan or yeah, a marketing no. for magicians. Go out, touch people's thighs at networking meeting, they'll remember you. It's a terrible but idea. The thing is, when people start writing copy, you, you've got a laptop or whatever in front of you and as soon as you start typing, you kind of lose your personality and start talking in like formal speak and you just, it's actually a, a skill, isn't it? To keep your personality in your written word. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think the easiest way to think of it is it's not something you need to learn. It's, it's more like something you need to unlearn and just get mm. out of your own way. And it's what a good example is like when you write Facebook ads, there's a lot of compliance issues. Mm. Um, like you've got to take out you and you've got to try and make it positive experience. The easiest way to do a Facebook ad is to actually write it first, forgetting about the compliance, and then dumb it down. And I think it's the same with writing copy. Just just stream of consciousness. Don't think about it. Just get it onto your paper and say, right, what would I say if they were sort of right in front of me? What would I say to get Anna to book me as a copywriter? Just get it out and then tidy it up later and see what you could do to make it more powerful. But you've got to have that kind of raw material of how I would say this. And don't start from the like templates of how everybody else does it because you, you're then fitting your mm. stuff into their voice. And it's scary to start on a blank page, but if you kind of take the worry out of it by going, just, I'm just going to vomit everything onto this page. Or just about... voice note yourself. Just, yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Do it like walking along or whatever. So you're distracted because you're walking and then you're just talking like blah, 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 saying whatever, and then take it from that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I read that you did the other day is looking at other people's ads and then kind of dissecting them and explaining why this is good, what's good about it, what it does, so that other people can take those tips and go, okay, I'll put them into mine. So you did, was it an ad for um, not trick-or-treating or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so a friend of mine uh, put uh, just in my local area um, put a thing saying Halloween's not cancelled and had a nice little leaflet. And I quite liked it because there's a lot of things you could say about that and um, various things. But I just I just liked there was various elements in it and I thought there's a few things that business owners could use from that because you could say, oh, Boris has cancelled COVID, uh, you know, Boris has cancelled trick-or-treating. And you could have gone a certain way, but it wasn't about that. It was more about the fact of we can't do this, so let's do this. And it was... Mm. And it, I just like the fact that there are ideas you can take away from ads and go, how can I use this? 
and certain elements. So I'm going to be doing a bit more of that on my blog and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you can take ideas, but it's, yeah. it's always asking that question. How would I do this? Uh, how can yeah, I and even it? even like the big players, you can look at TV ads and think about how why they've done it that way and you know who they're trying to attract and the language they're using and then use that in your stuff as well. You don't need to have their budget to copy kind of what they're doing. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. The higher level principles of how are they getting their attention, who are they targeting this for? The bigger questions are the ones whether they are a big multinational corporation or a small one. We're all asking the same questions. How do I get my customers to go get their attention, get them interested, build up desire, and get them to take action? They're all doing that. So whenever you see an advert, especially one like what has been on TV, a lot of thought has gone into that. Every word has been poured over, every color, every image, the time. They've, they've worked out what they're doing. So if you can just sit down and take a higher level view and go, right, wh what are they doing with that? How have they done it? It's one of the things we say to our clients is to be single-minded. So you can't tell everybody everything you do because it's just bland, too much information, people switch off. And if you look at, you know, TV ads, like, say, for example, a car ad, they don't tell you every single car they've got and all the different variations of it. They'll pick something and they'll do an advert for it, even though it's going to cost them a lot of money to do that one thing. And they might be tempted to go, just chuck in that other car we want to sell and just mention that while you, and they don't do it. And so that's something you can take away into your own marketing, even if it's just a post on social media, to just not try and shoehorn everything in, just in case you might miss that little bit of money that, you know, that person's got and they want to spend. When I do Facebook Lives, oh God, and I know I'm doing it when I do it, I start talking on my Facebook Live and then I go, oh, in case you didn't know, um, I do social media coaching. Oh, we've got a podcast. Oh, and I just think, oh my God, honey, I've just like... <laughs> <laughs> done what we teach not to do it's like i can't and even as it's happening i know it's happening and i'm like idiot it's very tempting <laughs> to do isn't like it? Doing a little apology afterwards like yeah i'm just puked all the things we do out onto you sorry about that like a freudian <laughs> mess isn't it it's yeah. like everything's in your mind on the page i always yeah. say that to people actually when and i'm terrible for this because i will witter when do, it's why i don't do a lot of videos but i always think what, what's the one thing you want them to do after consuming this mm -hmm. content who's this piece of content for what are you going to tell them what's the key takeaway what do you want them to do next and i suppose that's the value of kind of building up a, a library of content over and over again but yeah it's it's hard to do because the tendency is we need to throw more is better we've got more social media channels we've got more content we've got more this and more that we we kind of believe that but it, it's like you say that what you want is a clear message when i worked in marketing we worked with you know big ad agencies and we'd have to write a brief because we wanted a campaign done so we put a brief together all the background information supporting information everything one of the questions on there was audience reaction what do you want the person who is like consuming whatever it is your tv ad radio ad whatever to actually do and that, and if you're thinking about what you want them to do then you kind of follow it back in terms of being quite single-minded you can't go well i want them to pick up the phone and i want them to do this and i want because you can't get all of that so it distills it down to one thing and it helps to simplify your thinking quite well weren't your email about that this morning Anita? yeah yeah sent out to our audience do you read them <laughs> I'm touched. I had a quick look at that one today. <laughs> but that's a good point. If you can figure out where your audience is before the content, you've got to have a clear call to action. What do you want them to do next? But it's also worth thinking about where are they entering this blog post from? So with like a cold sale, uh, cold uh, traffic funnel, they might not even be aware that they have a problem. 
And so you need to lay out every single step. So I think the example that always sticks out in my head is as a wedding magician, there were some brides that had seen Dynamo on TV or had seen wedding magicians at events and knew exactly how it would work and exactly how it would fit into their day. So the only question in their mind was, are you the right one for me? And if so, how much? So that was an easier sale than somebody who would walk past me at a wedding fair and say, magician, a wedding, a wedding. We don't have any kids. And they're like, no, 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 actually I do. I'm stood there in a suit. <laughs> and, and they're going, no, 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 I do I do entertain the adults. Well, when? And you have to explain the whole process to them. Yeah. So that's something worth thinking about whenever you're creating a piece of content or any sales page or video or anything like that. Think about not only who am I talking to, but where are they in the sales process? What do they need to know? What beliefs do they have at the moment? And what beliefs do they need to have to get to take the action that I want them to take it's really interesting you say that because we help people with their social media so literally how to attract clients using your social media and some people have never it's never even though they've probably bought stuff through social media and they've used it from the other side they've it's never entered their head that they could use social media in their business to help them like it's really weird sometimes when people stumble across you and especially for one of our challenges and they've just found something on um, a Facebook ad or something and then they're like hang on I don't know if it'll work for me and we're like oh my god yes it will there's all these people that have done and it's like opening their world to them but it is a lot easier if they know it's a thing they know they need to get on board with it and how am I going to do that and what like you say what's the price how how do we make this work but also I think people forget that because they know their business so well they forget that someone else doesn't and you've got to start from the beginning often. And there's nothing more frustrating, is there, than when you already are bought into that um, offer, whatever it is they're providing, you just want to know if they can provide the right one for you. And they go right back to the beginning and start telling you all that stuff. And because we're polite, English people, we nod and smile and you're just thinking, I don't want to buy from you because you're boring me. So there's a really good book called Words That Change Minds. I can't remember who it's by off the top of my head, but in it, they, they talk a lot about meet your customer at their bus stop. So think about where they are and then start from there always. Yeah, definitely. It's um, think about where they're coming from. It's and it's when you get into things like funnels and you're talking about upsells, you've got to think about, well, they've just seen my Facebook ad. They've just seen my sales page. They've already bought in on me. I don't need to give them too much information. If they've already bought the first thing, mm. you don't have to go too heavy on the second thing because they've already bought into you as a person. So, and if they're on your sales page already, they're kind of open to the idea. So maybe it's just a case of removing doubt, but yes, definitely thinking about where are they now when they see this? And what do they need yeah. to know to do the thing I want them to do? Years ago, I used to do a lot of um, cold calling, telesale, like my yeah. career sort of started just literally being passed up white pages and calling people up at home, trying to sell them um, uh, windows and stuff. I did that when I was like 16, 15, 16, uh, straight after school. And that kind of um, cold sales approach I did for a number of years. And now... I'm like lost whenever that kind of happens. So if anybody stumbles across us and they're relatively new to us and then they want to jump on a call with me and Anita, if we get on and they, they don't know who we are, like I'm almost out of practice because I, I don't want to justify myself. Like we just literally go, <laughs> go go and listen to the podcast or join our Facebook group or what, because it's a lot easier if they've come to you, they've watched our stuff, they know how we work, they've heard bits and bobs and they're like, oh, I want in, how's it work? You know, because it's it's no, there's no sale. It's just, we know we can provide the service, we can help them. We just say, yeah, this is what we're going to do. But, but when, when we're in a, bit of a position every now and then when someone will say, sell your, is that your, your house? <laughs> do you know, my, my son is sitting opposite me doing his schoolwork and decided to print. 
Oh, <laughs> never work with children and animals. The dog will start licking itself in a minute. I thought it was like the bin men or something. Um, <laughs> he will be in the bin in a minute. Oh, <laughs> Jack. Um, but yeah, so it's really weird now. And very, very rarely we have a cold call with someone and you feel like they're sort of saying, sell yourself to us. And we're a bit like, no. Like, we just, <laughs> no, we just, no, I will not. No. We, we've never had a customer. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> we're not shit. <laughs> there you go. That shit. works. It works as a magician. <laughs> works as a social media. Actually, in all seriousness, comedy works, doesn't it? If you can make someone laugh or even just grin a bit, then you brind up their day and they'll remember you. And, you know, if they're in the market for what you're offering, you'll be their go-to person. Yeah, I think somebody once said that about comedy. When somebody's laughing, their attention is never higher. Because to get the joke, they've got to really be paying attention. So they're laughing, they're paying attention, and the resistance is really low as well because it knocks down barriers. Yeah, it's like... With some of the funnels I write in my day job, if it's like a $7 offer, you almost get the feeling that it's such a low barrier that if if you got them laughing they go all right you've earned that it's like an impulse buy and it's like you know even if you don't want the product you go you know i like the way this guy's doing it or i like the way this girl's doing it you know what you you won me over it's like when you in the old days when we used to go out for meals and things and you'd have if you had a waiter or a waitress that was like funny or like they you know they just went a little bit out of even if they just went and got like the kids something a little bit extra and and you know they're doing it you know it's part of the process but then you're like oh you know give them a tip because you think well you've you've made that effort and actually you can't you can't possibly work out what will make your ideal client laugh so all you can do is put what makes you laugh and then the people that that resonates with will be the ones that you know want to work with you we always ask a couple of questions on this podcast one is um what makes you savvy where they get savvy club so what makes you savvy and you can take that any way you want I I don't necessarily think of myself as savvy. I think the one thing I have done, though, um, is be able to link, even though I've had a random bunch of jobs, I've been able to link it together. So with copywriting, when I had my interview for the full-time job, you know when you throw something out in an interview and you think, oh, this will impress them. But I, I hadn't thought the answer through, and I thought, oh, God. So in the interview, I said, oh, copywriting's just like being a magician. And I was like... Oh my God, please don't ask me to expand on that. Um, But I did. And I was like, and I came up with the thing I said before about, I'm just approaching cold audiences, getting their attention, conveying a message and getting a reaction. And I BS my way through it entirely. But you see, and I could tell by his reaction of, hmm, that you could tell I was BSing my way through it. (laughs) But you could, you know, that's a skill in itself, isn't it? There's a certain element of truth to that. And so even though copywriting and magicianry seem like completely random stuff, there is still that element of it. I'm still communicating with people and communicating ideas. So I think that's the thing I'm quite savvy with is like, I'll like, I'll make lots of little bets about directions to head off in, but I'll link it to what I've done. So I'll, I'll take my knowledge that I've learned from doing comedy and, and uh, magic and put that into my copy and use it as an angle to say, you can be funny. You can be yourself. Cause as a magician, I had to be, there's tons of magicians, but I had to have something a little bit different, not wildly mm. different. I wasn't wearing a bra and unicycling or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but just, just something a little bit different to be myself. And I brought that to copywriting. A lot of the people that we help are, they used to be in corporate and then perhaps they had a really important type of job in corporate. And now they're doing their own thing. And lots of them, they do this thing where they almost want to like draw a line and forget all that they mm. ever did before and we're like no go back that sometimes they even say well should i set up a new linkedin bin that one start again we're like no because 
all you've ever been up until then it's still your knowledge you still know those people still know like and trust you they just need yeah. to know you're doing another thing don't you don't lose all of that that all adds up to yeah and it's fine to do one thing for a, a period of time and then change and do something else that's absolutely fine it's not you don't have to pretend you've always done that second thing yeah exactly yeah. nothing to be embarrassed about and you're missing out on everything because everything i think it was steve dots uh, steve dots steve jobs that said all oh, that you don't know how the dots are going to connect up until afterwards and when you look back and you're like oh okay that actually has helped me with the thing that I'm doing now. And at the time, I don't even know why I was doing that thing. But now it's it makes sense and I use it in something different. So it can be connected to lots of things. And another question we always ask is we ask you to recommend a book, um, preferably something around either marketing, business or um, personal development space, if you have awesome. one. Well, I did know about this and it's kind of related to what we've just talked about. Um, hopefully I'll pick one that you haven't had before. Uh, do you know Scott Adams? No. So it's called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big, Scott Adams. And his his journey kind of echoes mine because he says he has this idea, just one of the ideas in there is about the idea of a talent stack. He says he's not the best cartoonist in the world. He's not the funniest person in the world. He doesn't know the most about business in the world. But when you add those three little skills together, you create this unique talent stack. And... I guess that's the kind of idea I've kind of used with copywriting. It's like somebody said to me the other day, well, you've got tactical empathy, you, you know, years of performing magic and being around real people. You know what really works rather than theory that's in books. You know, you've been there, you've seen reactions and you've got kind of instant feedback of jokes, tricks and ideas. And I bring that to copywriting, but it wasn't until I kind of saw Scott Adams' book and read it that I realised, yeah, you know, you, you you don't have to be the best social media manager in the world, you know, if you if you've got a piece of humour or if you're good at this, and you can you can bundle all these things together. It's not about being the best in the world; it's about combining all your skills to create this unique I don't know, kind of profile. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like we always say, I, um, to the place. you don't have to like we don't have to be Gary V. You know, he's like social yeah. media on steroids, like. Over, you know, you don't have to be that person to, in, because you're not as strong or as like as good, if you like, as he is. Doesn't mean you can't be in that space and do that thing. You can still contribute to that, and you've got your own little differences that that person doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's, it's very hard to be the best in the world at one thing. You know, yeah. you talk about sport or anything like that. The mm. goal isn't to be the best beat Gary V. The goal is to kind of think, right, what can I bring to this that makes me unique? So that if yeah. somebody says, oh, I want, I want a copywriter who's been in front of audiences, who can do comedy and understands this, who am I going to go to? Then maybe they might consider me. But it's also a common blocker for people, isn't it? For our clients tell us, you know, oh, there's people out there doing this better than me. And there's people that have been doing it longer than me and people who know more than me. And actually, it doesn't matter. All you need to do is contribute we had a lady that did a masterclass on um, imposter syndrome for us um, oh, and no. when we were promoting it on linkedin that we were doing this this other woman actually trolled her who's an imposter syndrome expert saying to her well hang on a minute i have researched imposter syndrome for 20 years and i've never heard of you and actually the woman that was doing the masterclass was like she actually herself felt <laughs> imposter syndrome about doing a masterclass on imposter syndrome for like half a second before she like obviously checked herself and realized that <laughs> but yeah it was just like in like yeah so everybody feels it at some level at some point don't they but it's about realizing that that's okay and you are you you still are relevant you you still can be part of part of it and you can still do that thing just because you're not seen as the best in that field 
doesn't mean you can't do it. Come along and do it. Yeah, I think I think I like what you said before about you. You don't just you. you know, if I move from like magician to copywriter, you don't just sever the ties and go. <laughs> right, I'm starting from square uh, square one again. You go no, actually, you know, because I used to be a social worker as well, and it's like I'm, all these elements come together. And there's bigger skills that each job has. And it's, I know they said before about people BS the way through job interviews and stuff like that, but you bring yourself to this. And, and these little flaws and imperfections that people are very keen to hide are very often the reason that somebody will buy into you. Always hire on personality because you can teach the right person anything, but if they're not the right person, they'll never work out. So always just pick someone who's got that little bit of oomph, you know, and just really seems to want it. Yeah, it's not about pleasing as many people as possible. It's just about putting more of yourself out there so you can find the people that you gel with. That's the goal. We don't. I don't want a million copywriting clients. So how can people find you then? What, what, what's the best way? Best way is to go to my website, which is insertgaghere.com. I've got I a love bunch that. Of... I love that website, by the way. I was looking at that site. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant name. For... I know. I got lucky with it. I got lucky with it. Got lucky. Uh, I... See, there you go again. <laughs> you can't help yourself. Can't help us. Imposter syndrome. Where's that lady? Um, it's either going to be a sexual deviant side with a ball gag, isn't it? In, insert gag here, or yeah. it's going to be about comedy. But I've got a bunch of stuff on there. Like I have this Google Drive of awesomeness where I've got I just a bunch of PDFs and docs and email prompts and stuff. Just a whole bunch of portable lead magnets that people can help themselves to. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. That was awesome, awesome, John Holt. You've been following him for a while, haven't you, Anita? Bit of a stalker. Yeah, love his stuff. Yeah. It's good to have someone a little bit different, someone that's got different things to bring to the party to explain to you about copyright we've had a couple of copywriters on before and this was someone that's kind of like an organic copywriter that sort of fell into it if you like so excellent excellent so don't forget to subscribe to this podcast review it rate it screenshot it put it on your um social media if you tag us in it then you've got a shot of winning one of the um recommended books so the book that john recommended by scott adams you've got a chance to win that so literally just screenshots that you can whack it anywhere on instagram facebook linkedin but to make sure you either tag at get savvy club or anita or me and then we can obviously uh know that it's you that's tagged it and we can wing your book to you anyway see you all uh for (laughs) wing it yeah i'm gonna put it on a pigeon and send it it to you you. put it on a pigeon's wing and send it to you have a fantastic uh couple of days and see you on thursday for a fantastic quickie See you soon. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.